I spent a real long time trying to get uh, Rock Band 3 with all of this pirated uh, music um, into my computer to emulate. And what ended up being the problem is that uh, Dolphin would not emulate the Rock Band mic, and it just was not documented anywhere. And I was, I've never been looking so much towards a video game project to have it just like foiled so sillily. That is brutal. <laughs> That's sad. I'm crying big fat sweaty tears for you, Reese. I, excellent. Now I let me. Clue you into my GoFundMe. <laughs> Bye, rock band. <laughs> we had $30,000 in DLC. I've got to be GoFundMe for a new rock band spinoff. Like, need at least six mil. Um, team of 2000. Oh, hell yeah. Viper rock band. <laughs> Y'all cowards don't even smoke crack. What's up with that? <laughs> <laughs> it seems like they're sticking with Rock Band 4 as the the Rock Band platform forever now. What what's happening with that uh the whole Oculus Rock Band? Is that did that happen? Uh I don't know. I'm sure like a lot of things VR it has cratered. <laughs> don't tell anyone. But <laughs> yeah. we don't we've never actually played any video games before. We're just <laughs> we're paid by uh, George Soros to, you know, be fake gamer girls on the internet. We're prodigious. <laughs> we're prodigious. We watch a ton of Let's Plays the first fifteen minutes, mm-hmm. and then we write long opinions that are very angry. Yeah, fill in the blanks from there. It's like Mad Libs, but for game reviews. <laughs> <laughs> I give this That's game a fart out of ten. I can yeah. If you get past the first paragraph, you're probably pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just just need the number. Yep. <laughs> if it's polygon, you don't need to put anything in there. They're just going to get angry anyway. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I really love the hatred of polygon is really starting to cross over to my slightly more normie nerd friends. And uh, I, it's not like I love Polygon or anything, but the rage that Polygon inspires delights me to no end. <laughs> yeah, I, I was pretty late to reading stuff on Polygon, and so like I was looking forward to this like far left radical reviews, that kind of thing. Oh yeah, yeah, very disappointed. <laughs> I was expecting fucking Joseph Stalin himself and Mao Zedong. <laughs> To be in the fucking, to be chief editors on Polygon.com. Someone should make a thing of, yeah, like, if only Polygon were like right-wing people describe. God, that'd be incredible. Well, that's basically what this podcast is supposed to be. (laughs) Hello. For fuck's sake. (laughs) Sorry, 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 sorry. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Video Games Are the Worst Thing on Earth. I am your host, Alton. With me, as always, is Reese. Yo, yo! And today, we have a super special, awesome guest with us, Colestia. Say hi. Hey, um, I'm Colestia, also known as David. Well, normally known as David. Yeah, I'm an uh, indie dev from Australia um, and make lefty games. Which is incredibly cool, because for as many... 
games as there are that the chuds loudly proclaim to be SJW cultural Marxist propaganda. We we really don't have enough uh, SJW cultural Marxist propaganda games proper. Thank you for being the tip of the spear. (laughs) (laughs) And thank you for joining us. So one thing I'm interested in is how you boil the concepts of socialism down into like game form and how you try to make that accessible to an audience which is not typically receptive of such ideas. Uh, yeah, well, I guess, like, I've I've tried a couple of different things. Um, like, I think the earlier games, it was really just, like, I was reading some Marxist theory or something like that and mm. saw, like, some little overlap with a, a game design idea or that kind of thing. Um, like, reading situationist stuff on, like... Uh, how the geography of the city sort of controls people in the interests of uh, consumption and production and that sort of thing, seeing how that was pretty similar to like how level designers describe their work of, yeah, like invisibly guiding the player through sort of, yeah, these sort of little hidden techniques. Yes, I feel that, that's one of the things I've, I've, I did, especially in my earlier games, this sort of, yeah, just finding some parallel between Marxist theory and game design. And that's referencing uh, at least that one moment that you're talking about is referencing new less. Is that correct? Uh, Yeah, I realize like that is one of the lessons I've learned early on is (laughs) coming up with names someone can pronounce. Like I have Mm -hmm. no idea how you're meant to pronounce that that name. Well, I'm a massive dumbass, so you shouldn't use me (laughs) as as an average uh, gamer. Um, Actually, I think uh, that sounds like the perfect average gamer. Oh, uh, true. Owned gamers. <laughs> um, that one was honestly one of my favorites, uh, just because that that concept I think translates really well to video games in general, and it's something that you kind of always deal with in video games. Is like you know they they have the secrets, and you if you go off the beaten path, you kind of get get your little treats and kind of refocusing that very familiar aspect in games to to the oh, single game itself and a single concept and you know a way uh, a method of control it was very interesting and very evocative yeah I, I did quite a lot of stuff which yeah I, I have no idea whether it worked in the end in terms of that kind of guiding um but stuff like yeah, if you walk downhill from any point in the city, it leads you to one point. Um, or if you, like, draw lines between particular parts of the city, they all sort of overlap and match up and that kind of thing. Yeah, like, <laughs> so I guess it wasn't just standard video game design techniques as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. not not sure how much it worked. <laughs> oh, so how did it. the uh, evolution from you talk about the the early games you know you you talk about reading this one thing and thinking it be translated well would you say that there's an evolution to your later games um to how you approach it uh yeah well i guess like one of the one of the big things which kind of shifted in my thinking was basically like just not wanting to just do critique um Mm -hmm. so yeah like it's all well to say like yeah capitalism is spiraling into crisis uh, it's producing horrors all around the world and has done for the ne- past 300 years, will do for the next however many years. Um, mm. But, yeah, like, I, I think 
that kind of needs to be accompanied with like a positive vision of this is what an alternative looks like. This is how we get to that alternative. Um, otherwise, it's just just really depressing. <laughs> so, yeah, like I, I've been trying more recently to yeah make sure my critique is accompanied with that kind of more more positive vision. I like that your more positive vision in your latest game is a guillotine. <laughs> oh, was that in Sediment? I have not played Sediment yet. Sediment is basically you. Uh, you know, I don't want to speak for David, but you're breaking down all of these like uh, white walls, uh, exposing kind of like all the fucked up shit that goes on. This kind of like idyllic dinner table scene, mm-hmm. and then like at the very end, is kind of like a final period at the end of the sentence as a guillotine is built <laughs> on top yeah. of everything <laughs> to let us know <laughs> uh, <laughs> how things gotta go. Uh, probably, I don't think that's exactly what you meant, but. Uh, it's 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 fun too. It's not that far off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds like fun. I gotta try that one. Well, yeah, guillotine built from the the chains of slaves and the blades of patriarchs and boats of colonists and yeah. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to ask you what games really speak to you, like in terms of what you've played as influences. You know, I understand that you know you're kind of a very one man or a small group of people kind of making these games so there's there's certain limitations but like what what do you look at in gaming and you you want to either emulate or inspire you to, as you make these games well like definitely recently uh night in the woods um mm-hmm. i mean yeah i i just think it's an amazing game definitely socialist in its <laughs> critique and vision I think that I was heavily inspired by the dialectics of uh, <laughs> the fox trying to catch food in his mouth and it landing on his face. That was very <laughs> fun. Yeah, that's a, that's a highlight. That wasn't it. Like those little interludes where it switches from the normal gameplay to like a little mini game, like where you are fighting, you're trying to stab each other's hands on top <laughs> yeah, of the car. Those are always very, very funny. I'm gonna have to play this. I've been meaning to. Yeah, such a such a good game. Uh, those things as well, like the sort of uh, little interactions, like that in particular. Um, I'm trying to do with my my latest games, just sort of mm-hmm. have like the environment so full mm-hmm. of these sort of little little things uh, you can interact with. Like uh, in Night in the Woods, there's like jumping around on the power lines. You can jump on top of mailboxes and like kind of half knock them over. Just all that sort of stuff, which makes just like general movement through the space like so much fun <laughs> you can find rat babies hiding inside uh i guess i don't know if it's a spoiler but you find inside like the desiccated body of like a giant duck parade float um, <laughs> that is a good feed them pretzels that you steal to become the rat mother which is pretty cool i'm definitely playing this game now i think that the most effective way of making Gamers learn anything is make it so that they don't realize that they're learning. Yep. <laughs> and so, you know, the way you do that is obviously by like making a fun game with like a message that is, you know, inherently socialist without being explicitly so. And I think that that's something that really rings with me is that, you know, the message of socialism without like the context of like the decades and decades of propaganda against certain specific buzzwords meant to explain socialist concepts just comes across as like common sense 
basically. And that a lot of these ideas are very intuitive and intrinsic to human society, yet like the technical terms for them are pretty much, uh, at this point, are almost useless because there's like decades of institutional propaganda against them. And I feel the second anyone starts talking about dialectics, yeah, your brain yeah. kind of just shuts off. <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> dialectics as like a concept is just something that I found so funny uh, <laughs> just because like it's just so high-minded and um it sounds very academic it, it's just something that i i just i joke about more than anything else yeah because it's like in a in a day-to-day -day conversation i'm not sure when like the topics and exact definitions of dialectics are going to come up um but yeah on what you were saying before on like having this sort of socialist politics in your mm. games without maybe sort of making it super explicit or anything like that. I feel like the risk with that is just, yeah, people not getting the socialist politics. That's true. Like, yeah, there's got to be some happy medium. You're, you're right. I think that perhaps maybe a, a greater thing to do would be to sort of detoxify the words and giving people an understanding of what it means before they learn the word. You know what I mean? But, and, and yeah, it's like the sort of default AAA plot was something with more of a left uh, left politics than just invading some foreign country. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, like, <laughs> I'm sure that it, that'd help. Yeah. And then there are also games like... Um, I was listening to the interview you did with uh, Rival Podcast, uh, handing the mic to the wrong person. Our sworn podcast enemy. I'm going to bleep out their names. <laughs> Well, mostly because they they interviewed you when I was like, oh, wait, that was our idea. How <laughs> dare they? But uh, they were describing how certain systems in games like Victoria 2 are sort of maybe not explicitly uh, Marxist, but they use Marxist theory in how they simulate economies. Yeah, and the, the bit where they said that liberalism was the, the greatest enemy in the game because it will completely screw over your economy. Yeah. <laughs> which is just like, something like that I think would be extremely funny to put into like a game form. Yeah. And slightly more accessible than Victoria 2. Uh, yeah, maybe just a bit. Well, I just wanted to say, I think there's room for a balance between the kind of two things we're talking about, uh, a more explicit socialist education and kind mm. of burying these themes in the game. Something like Crisis Theory or uh, Int from Dunn, um, you know, are pretty explicit in what, you know, what they're trying to get across. And I found uh, value in there uh, for sure. But, you know, even... Have your have your brains chew on this for a little bit. Crisis theory, the game crisis. <laughs> I really missed an opportunity there. No. <laughs> <laughs> Can it run crisis theory? <laughs> uh, but just that versus something like a, a night in nowhere, um, which is I wasn't able to draw anything like specific it was trying to say but there was a lot of uh kind of like mood and you know you you got these these deeper themes from it that wasn't like specifically socialist but more kind of like these 
general themes of kind of like alienate alienation and exploitation and meritocracy that aren't necessarily at least to me spelled out by any kind of theory but at the same time is is expressing these in, in an interesting way that was a game i actually wanted to talk about because it's it's very interesting i only played it for like 45 minutes maybe i was very curious about like some of the messages in that because my impression of it was basically a critique of a neoliberal commodification of interaction and like every single person that you like you talk to and uh sleep with um like increases your level and that is essentially a gamifying human interaction in a way uh, well, like the preface is that that game had a long and troubled development um, mm. and was sort of released half finished because I just couldn't stand to work on it anymore. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I think the the sort of core starting idea was sort of having this world where like every form of interaction is tied into this sort of greater pursuit of experience points. Um in the sort of way that, yeah, situationists would describe, like, everyday life is sort of infiltrated by the, the machinations of capital <laughs> and that kind of thing. Interesting. And I think I, I have a couple of other things to bring up about it. Like, uh, I guess three. There's the first thing I'll start off with is, like, the, the little survival room, which is just, mm. like, transitions you into this Minecraft-like area where just a giant screen of, like, crafting components came up. And I was like, no, fuck this. I'm out of here. <laughs> I was like, I'm not doing this. <laughs> I was like, I'd, I'd rather just sleep with 50 million people to level up. Thank you very much. <laughs> and then uh, this, there are two other things. There was like the, the rooms with like the computers that have like the different ranks going like from 100 to 300. And I... I am curious, is it actually possible to level up enough to use, like, the 300 area? Uh, yeah, it is It is possible there. Um, mm -hmm. The Like, in the sort of overall world, um, it's not possible to actually get to the center uh, by just sort of leveling up. It's just sort of exponential curve on the, the XP, so you never quite reach level 100. Ah, I see. I, I, how, what's, the, what's the cheats? What's the Prima strategy guide? to winning the neoliberal commodification of human interaction game. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, well, yeah, basically you've got to uh, go to the like sort of outskirts of the city where you're far enough away from the center, that your XP starts declining, um, get yourself down to level zero and then like navigate your way back through the city without getting any more XP. And so make your way to the center with zero XP. I went to like the outskirts of the city with like where they oh, there was a bunch of people sitting around this weird crystal and then I like yeah. interacted with the weird crystal and like my HUD disappeared and, <laughs> and then I couldn't get back through like the barricade with the soldiers that said 40 level 40 or more. So I'm not sure what the heck I did. <laughs> oh, so I think, yeah, so you, I think... Like as I said, this game is probably riddled with bugs, so I can't can't guarantee. Um, but yeah, I think that was probably getting to level zero. But then there's all sort of like uh, little hidden routes through the other, like sort of across the other levels and that kind of thing. Oh, I see. So there's a way around the soldiers, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if it all worked. 
Oh, that's that's interesting. I was able to just eventually. I I tried to level up a couple times, and then I tried to just walk past the other level barriers, and and it just let me. So that's how I was able to see the level hundred room, which I wasn't sure if that was a bug or commentary. No, no, no. <laughs> you can go into the level hundred room, but you can't use the computer on the table. Oh yeah, I mm. did not. Uh, I did not see that. I always got the the thing where as you you approached it, it took a picture of it, and you were like teleported back to that gallery moment. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. So if you get there with level zero, you can get up into the into the tower. Neat. And then you go up there and you you transform into gritty and you murder all of the executives. <laughs> Look, that would all... be a much better ending than what it actually was. <laughs> all the listeners should definitely check. If you're going to check one of the games out, um, uh, I think they're all pretty good. Um, but I would definitely say that that one's got a lot of interesting stuff worth uh, poking around in. So mm-hmm. that that would be be my recommendation. I'm a fan of post-capitalism. It explains the message and how like these these systems could potentially work differently. Uh, and it also it plays in a browser, and it also looks very very nice. I think the art style on post-capitalism is one of, probably one of my favorites. I think that that is it's a good primer like if mm-hmm. I had a a friend who whose third eye was opening to leftism <laughs> I might sit them down with post capitalism to kind of like you know explain how these different things uh interact with each other to kind of like help me explain the idea of you know the colonization of time that sort of thing because I'm a dumbass and cannot be <laughs> persuasive on my own yeah, I think that it's definitely uh, a good Babby's first uh, socialism game. I hope I don't mean that with any disrespect. <laughs> oh no, like that is explicitly what I was going for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, spend spend a lot of time trying to, uh, yeah, like draft down these little descriptions of yeah colonization of time and that kind of thing, so they'd somehow fit in like a fifty character little text box. One one game uh, that I'd like to talk about before uh we start moving on is uh i'm gonna butcher another pronunciation so i'm sorry but acephalus oh yeah yeah i Um, I think that's right excellent i did it um but (laughs) it's a game um for uh to give the audience an idea it has very interesting kind of um line drawing on parchment kind of 3d style and you're given this kind of decree at the beginning to get, I forget how much it is, but a large quantity of uh, this rare mushroom. You have to kind of go through and kind of think laterally through these series of puzzles to uh, to get the text to disappear on the screen. And I was curious um, if you could talk a little bit more about what you were trying to go for with the game because I found it very engaging and and interesting, but I also didn't quite understand <laughs> uh, the message on top of it. Like, yeah, so that that one was very explicitly inspired slash plagiarized from uh, a book by Anna Singh called "The Mushroom at the End of the World," which is this sort of anthropology ethnography of uh, Matsutake mushrooms, which oh. are like grown 
grown in Pacific Northwest and then shipped over to Japan where they're uh, like a, a delicacy. And so, yeah, like the one of the things I found really interesting about the book, like it's it's a great book. Um, but yeah, one thing in particular was this idea that like commodity chains, it, it's not just a matter of like sort of moving moving something from one place to another and sort of organizing production like that. It's also about sort of translating things between different spheres when it's a mushroom in the ground being picked by Vietnamese immigrants. It has all of these sort of meanings and cultural associations. Then when that's taken to like the the picking and sorting infrastructure, a, a lot of what's going on there is removing these other associations like putting on a barcode, measuring it by weight rather than by sort of aesthetic appearance or something like that. I'm horribly uh, cutting out a lot of the the lovely nuance from the book. But yeah, sort of when when it gets to Japan, it takes on this whole other meaning of fitting within a particular sort of gift economy. Um, Again, sort of different things become valued about the same object. The object sort of takes on a different form. So yeah, I guess like the game was trying to get that sense of approaching this object from a whole bunch of different sort of epistemological perspectives. So like treating the mushroom as part of a narrative or treating it as like a sort of item to be sorted. Yeah. I think that's really interesting and it's nice to get, it's good to get that context and I can absolutely see where you were coming from in the game because each of the little puzzles has its own, uh, its own logic to it and you kind of have to match them all up together to, to get to the, the end state, if you will. Um, so it's interesting mm-hmm. to get that that background, and uh, I I don't mind that it's you know a little it, that it's challenging or whatever. Um, I was just curious about it. I have a question that's more related to more related to like your past history with games. I'm sort of curious what sort of games you you grew up with and how you think that sort of influenced your taste in video games. Well, I guess probably. Like, yeah, there was, there was a lot of stuff I played, which I think probably had very little influence on my overall politics or game design or that kind of thing. Like, mm. still love them as games, like uh, the 3D Rayman games or the Tony Hawk Pro Skater games. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, all, all those. I, like, I think probably the things which did kind of influence my design were, like, 4X games, like uh, Civilization in particular, um, and strategy games in general. Although I do think that a Tony Hawk pro socialism game would be fucking dope. <laughs> would be amazing. <laughs> that would be incredible. Can I take that idea? I have no idea how you would integrate like socialism into it, but like you just rename all the different moves with like doing a doing a three sixty ingles on a, <laughs> a grind <Yeah>. rail. <laughs> a Gramsci grind. Hell yeah! In, <laughs> instead of you know the 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 new metal soundtrack, you just have uh, Russian anthems. That'd be cool. Yep. <laughs> just the international looping over and over and over again in like fifty different languages. <laughs> just slowly increasing volume as <laughs> the game goes. Slowly <laughs> work your way from like these sort of post-industrial areas up to like Goldman Sachs offices. I think this is slowly transitioning into Jet Set Radio. 
Where yeah, you just, true. <laughs> you just like spray paint at the anarchy symbol on like uh, on inside of like Jeff Bezos's like apartment. Yeah, you you, you grind off of his dome to win the game. <laughs> so yeah, that one's free. <laughs> yeah, our, our our gift back to you. <laughs> hey, hey, design a game based off the ramblings of two goofuses. Nothing will ever go wrong. That does sound amazing. Though. It does sound amazing. I imagine it'd be quite tricky to do the whole um, simulation of like skateboarding, though. Yeah, yeah. I'll look into it. <laughs> no, you can, you can do it. I have no <laughs> idea how game, how game dev works, but I'm sure it's real easy to just include <laughs> 300 different guns and in a, you know, a crafting system and a skateboarding system. Night, day... Uh, and that's just like and that's just at release, and then we have the patches for the next six years. Yeah, and if none of that, is, if any of that isn't in there, it's like an intentional fuck you to the gamers. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I'm personally offended every time a feature isn't included in a game. I mean, you joke about that, but like, there have been phases in game development history where people have literally been like, "Oh, this doesn't have." Uh, multiplayer not buying it oh yeah definitely um and i mean we had that with uh whatever the most recent thing i can remember is people getting mad at call of duty for it um people getting mad at battlefield 5 for not including the mail only option you know (laughs) it goes on and on and speaking of do we want to talk about shitty comments (laughs) oh i do want to get into shitty comments yeah but let's do it yeah, I do have one thing I wanted to just briefly talk about, which is uh, in your dream game, when asked upon the podcast that shall not be named, <laughs> uh, you mentioned that like your dream game would be basically uh, a game simulating the over the revolution and overthrow of like a, a capitalist regime, like sort of a, a I'm guessing like a, a military like sim game. Sort of like Arma, maybe? Yeah, so more sort of uh, like third person, mm-hmm. maybe, mm-hmm. I don't know, controlling various affinity groups as you're building up from sort of community organizing to smashing the state, that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, that honestly sounds a little bit like my dream game as well. Basically, to give some context, Arma 3 has a mod for it called Anti-Stasi, and it is sort of like the crude not particularly ideological version of that game where you're essentially like a group of rebels or freedom fighters and you are funded by like the un and you have to go around like dropping pamphlets um and recruiting uh locals and stuff like that and fighting like the local military group and it is janky as as all hell i'd say for now it is such a great great concept and it's so much fun to play with other people uh and sort of role play the sort of communist revolution but it is just super janky and so a game like that but with like more polish would be incredible but i just wanted to recommend that to you as like uh, something you can check out if you're interested in it i'll definitely give that a go it's very very challenging unfortunately that's one of the big drawbacks of it is that you just get detected and just like a fucking armored vehicle comes after you uh and then you just get stomped (laughs) 
also probably realistic, mm-hmm. unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I, I think another point I wanted to make with that is that have you ever considered using the tool sets of another game in order to like create a mod essentially that can do more with like the assets that they already provide? I, yeah, I have thought about that. Um, I had a couple of goes at some some Bethesda game mods, uh, mm-hmm. none of which really worked out. <laughs> yeah, like that that is definitely something sort of on the radar. A total conversion mod for Skyrim that make that changes it <laughs> to instead of uh, the Nords and the Imperials, you have the Red Russians and the White Russians. <laughs> That'd be pretty amazing. That'd be cool. Be dope. It would not be very like. It would not be like a complex uh, war sim. Unfortunately, <laughs> it would just be like a buggy, a glitchy, sim. a dating sim. <laughs> <laughs> that would be incredible. Socialist dating sim, please. <laughs> That's another free one for you. We're just <laughs> just uh, cranking them out here. Oh my god! Can you imagine like uh, if if like all these famous. These famous bearded philosopher guys just got like the same treat, like anime ugu girl treatment as like tanks in some other dating sims. <laughs> you just like Angles, Karl Marx, and like their their anime their anime form. <laughs> That'd be a great game, honestly. Yeah. I think that 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 would finally be the game to just like break through to the chud audience. Once uh, Marx is your waifu, you you have no defenses left. Yeah. I have been thinking um, it would be cool to do some kind of like uh, so like inter-socialist strategy game. So maybe like after the revolution, just as all of these different socialist factions are sort of trying to achieve their particular vision of the future. Mm-hmm. So you got like productivist Marxists trying to like yeah massively increase output of uh consumer goods and that kind of thing i don't know eco-socialists trying to prevent all of this environmental damage some kind of like asymmetric strategy thing like that pro y'all socialists versus anti-y'all socialists fighting on twitter (laughs) pro gritty anti-gritty socialists the new schism on the in the left (laughs) that sounds good i mean these all sound like I am excited for further projects because you know we're we're certainly goofing here, but mm-hmm. it sounds like you've got a a lot of interesting ideas um, for for the future of socialist gaming. Let's move on. We have as a game developer creating either progressive or socialist video games. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I'm sure you have been exposed to more than your fair share of salt. Yes, very true. As salt appreciators, we would like to take a couple minutes just to bask in some of the most glorious <laughs> comments you have received on your your excellent video games. Post-capitalism, uh, the, <laughs> the one that, uh, social, the socialism for, uh, beginners game, which is the only <laughs> thing that the chuds could wrap their brain around, was really the <laughs> one to just, you, you just kicked a hornet's nest. I was real surprised, um, I played through your game in chronological order, and, 
it was hilarious that like it was mostly occasional thoughtful comments uh how do i do this sort of thing and then was it's just like 1700 comments uh people <laughs> like there were there were supportive ones in there but there was certainly a lot of madness as well yeah and it like as that was happening i i can't remember who it was now but i could i could pinpoint like tweet zero where it was retweeted by <laughs> someone on right wing twitter um and just blew up from there i wish you could remember who it was and if it's in like the the rogues gallery of vigatwato <laughs> of infamous uh, gamers <laughs> i i think it got a feature on kotaku in action as well so oh hell yeah that'll do it there's our we regularly mine kotaku in action for salt (laughs) you know like the guy from the pbs ideas channel so these guys posted like this picture of him he's like he's a soy boy i can see the soy running through his veins (laughs) which was extremely funny (laughs) yeah so did you get any comments like that have you been called soy boy before Calestia? I don't think I've got soy boy, which is pretty disappointing, if I'm honest. I think, have we been called soy boys before? I think so. I think at some point when, during, uh, I don't want to get into it, but we, <laughs> kicked, we kicked the hornet's nest ourselves on Twitter and they got wind of the podcast. I think we got a couple of soy boys in there. Mm-hmm. Gotta, gotta frame those. <laughs> uh, I really should have. Uh, I think my proudest one that I actually did frame was like, Idiocy. You would know idiocy because you are an expert on idiocy. You are the expert on idiocy, which was a fantastic comment and really should be my banner image right now. I did not realize you were owned so hard. Congratulations. Uh, But yeah, let's we without further delay, let's get into some of these these great salt nugs. Have you got any particular favorites, Celestia? Uh, I'll try and track some down. Sure. Okay. You got any, Reese? Oh, I got, I have, all right, I'll, I will read mine. I, I found this one. This one was by far my favorite. Okay. This is from Melon. Uh-huh. Do you actually believe in this stuff? Are you insane? Communism doesn't work. Then, like, several carriage returns in parentheses. Or are you memeing? <laughs> 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 That's amazing. I, I, <laughs> I, have to, I have to say, even though that's like Fulcha, that that is a hilarious. <laughs> that, that that's something I'm gonna start saying in general. You know, when my girlfriend breaks up with me, I'm just gonna be like, "You can't break up with me. We've been together for so long." Are you meaning? Are you meaning? <laughs> I I love this, and I I'll tell you why. In that. It is very rare that I've ever seen a chud actually act somewhat consistently in the fact that <laughs> in the fact that one of the biggest excuses that chuds use to excuse fascism and fascistic behavior is they will always fall back on oh it's just a meme it's just a joke don't take it seriously even though he that person's clearly not joking <laughs> but it's so rare that I have ever seen like some a chud be like, "Well, I completely disagree with you, but are you are you memeing? Is this just a meme?" <laughs> it's like I've never seen them actually like be consistent on that point. It's incredible. Yeah, true. 
So uh, let's see. There's a couple other ones that are pretty basic. I guess I'll read these ones. Uh, <laughs> Manly Dwarf says, "Weird. I think the famines and gulags aren't functioning as intended." Oh uh, yeah, so many of those. There's so many. Like <laughs> this is like the cookie cutter response. Oh, here's here's Ruskerdax says. I tried to play the game, but every time I clicked on something, the city only got worse. Just a fake gamer can't can't even play the game. Can't even correctly. beat the game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what a dummy! I think that was meant to imply that he's like, oh, it's worse because of socialism. Ooh, you have been logically owned. Well, glad to hear this guy would rather live in a world of like massive open pit mines than like nice public parks. <laughs> like so many of the uh oh don't you mean venezuela or yeah where are the gulags where's the famine uh yeah <laughs> please read some stories of people who lived in a communist country and had their neck stepped on by the boot of the cia they didn't say i added the yeah. cia <laughs> part is definitely like i was like yeah that that's definitely the CIA's fault, not uh, not necessarily the leaders of the country. Oh, and I want to give a special shout out to um, fellow furry annoyed dragon for writing a whole fucking novel in your mentions. <laughs> yep. Which yeah, is that, just like, that was a long response. I'm not reading like fucking. I I should probably come through this to see if there's something particularly funny in what. <laughs> He said, because I'm sure that there's somewhere in here, there's just like a galaxy brain blast of raw energy in here. <laughs> um, but I, I, it's, it's, he's doing the thing where he's basically becoming impossible to critique just via through volume. Yep. Which is just awful. Did you read through all of it? I think I did one time, yeah. Wow. Um, well, because I think, like, there were some, like, some other people who, yeah, <laughs> were much more patient than me and took the time to, like, fully respond uh, in the comments. Yeah, I, um, I saw that, but that's that's too long for me to read, too. <laughs> I think that that's interesting, though, and that's kind of, like, when the chuds get away from their just, like, stupid arguments that you can't even engage with, like, this guy you know, try to uh, offer, like, serious critique, and somebody was just, like, right there, um, asterisk MOS, just did just the same book-length response, like, basically uh, refuting him point by point. And to me, that I, I really liked that interaction, even though I don't think that Annoyed Dragon was in any way convinced. It kind of shows that the moment that they have to engage with this idea uh, beyond their like stupid are you memeing stuff, that there's actually responses. There's actually the, these points can be defended. It's not something uh, you're just parroting off of uh, off of Chapo Trap House. I was trying to. I was coming through the comments. I missed what Reese said. Something about Chapo Trap House. <laughs> that was that was me <laughs> trying to be funny. Yeah, Chapo uh, Radar picked up. <laughs> just that um, one. The moment that they actually try to engage with the ideas and tear them down, there's actually a lot of great debate to be had. And this, like the asterisk MOS guy just wrote wrote a novel length response to him, uh, basically like knocking him down point by point. 
Right. And that's why I kind of like the game like this that just talks about these um, these building blocks of socialism because mm-hmm. as soon as you're not acting like an idiot talking about memeing, like, you know, there's actually, you can start the wedge, you can start the explanation because it's, um, because it's actually pretty solid theory. Excellent. I was only half paying attention again because I was reading this comment by Ghost89 who is very insistent that socialism and communism are not, in fact, the same thing. Which, they are defending your game, and yet it is very bizarre to me that there is a not insignificant chunk of people who are like, socialism and communism aren't the same. Yeah, like, that, that's not a hill to die on, right? <laughs> like... Yeah. I'm pretty sure that Marx used them interchangeably. Yeah, yeah, the distinction comes a lot later. Yeah, and I, I don't really, like, I guess that you could say that people associate communism with the sort of authoritarian governments of, like, the USSR. But also, if you're, like, talking between leftists, then it's sort of the, like, implies that kind of, like, stagist approach of, like, we go to socialism, then we go to communism. Yeah, which, I don't know. Honestly, I'm not convinced of that sort of stageism. You know, uh, one of the biggest critiques I've had of, like, the Soviet Union is how a lot of the institutions they put in place were meant to be temporary and then ended up being permanent, which is... A, so, to me, I think, like, incrementalism in, a, in, in the form of socialism is not an effective means of uh, trying to bring about full communism. Uh, no, but, but you're clearly we... not thinking dialectically enough. I know. <laughs> I gotta take my brain force plus. Hang on one second. (laughs) (laughs) But if we remember our Matt Chrisman, we also have to remember when talking about that stuff. And also, you know, in response to all these famine and gulag comments, too, is that any example we draw from uh, the USSR is something, is a country that is under endless, constant assault for decades. Mm -hmm. And that you know, uh, I, I I could not say, you know, I'm not smart enough to say what the details of that are, but, you know, maybe it's not all in general. It, it, they can't offer us uh, only so many lessons because they are they were under such attack is what I'm trying to say. And really, if the United States were to become socialist, it would be pretty much the dissolution of it would hopefully be the dissolution of like the primary imperializing force that has been at the root of like brutal destruction and suppression of communism around the globe and which i feel as though a a world in which the united states exists would be one that is almost over 50 percent communist at this point no that's when we find out that the wto has a secret army that they've been building up over the years i'm gonna admit i don't know what the wto is Oh, uh, well-trained organization. Oh. They have mutants. <laughs> they have mechs. It's fucked up. Kojima's been trying to warn us for years. <laughs> oh, see, so that's true. why I didn't get it, because I, I have not played... To my eternal shame, I have not played any Metal Gear games. But yeah, like, when Metal Gear Solid Five came out, I, I'd, like, tried to commit to... Yeah, I, I hadn't played any then, and so it was like, yeah, gotta gotta go from the start, gotta get the lore and everything, very <laughs> naively. Um, and yeah, gave up about halfway through number one. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like something that would be... <laughs> it's a bit like saying, you know, I think, you know, this this 
This uh, Homestuck comic sounds interesting. I think I'll take an an evening to peruse (laughs) through that. Although, like, if I'm going to really get Harry Potter, I need to go back to the Greeks. If you want to get Harry, <laughs> if you want to get Harry Potter now, you just gotta like huff some like paint fumes <laughs> and just like I don't know, slam your head in the door a couple times in order to get where J.K. Rowling is coming from on Twitter. Oh my god! <laughs> Did you see her uh, latest awful, awful tweet? I think so. I, I think the person I retweeted with the <laughs> retweeted with the tweet got uh, banned. <laughs> of a Twitter. <laughs> and so it took me way longer to find it than it should have, but here it is in all of its glory. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Would you like to read it for us, Celestia? Sure thing. J.K. Rowling, I'm going nowhere. Little known fact about filthy bourgeois neoliberal centrists, we're tougher than you'd think. Winky face. <laughs> god, she's so fucking awful. <laughs> Have either of you read the like her latest book? Uh, no, I'm no, not. I've heard not good things about the message of it, though. Yeah, like I, I haven't read it either, but yeah, heard there's some some amazing representations of leftist politics in there. Cool. How many gulags? How many gulags we got in that book? Like three. <laughs> I heard that yeah. it, because of the intolerant left uh, <laughs> that. There's something like how the Holocaust would have never happened if not for the intolerant <laughs> left or some kind of... Oh, my you know, God. Maybe it, 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 maybe it doesn't directly say that, but, like, roundabout, something like that. But it's like, it's our strict criticism and pushback against fascists is what pushes them to these places. <laughs> I really want to fucking see J.K. Rowling unironically write in one of her books, Voldemort was a leftist. oh man that's voldemort's back and he's in the dsa baby (laughs) he's sliding into some dms gonna be problematic hell yeah i'm i'm voting for voldemort as head of the npc (laughs) now that was a lot of fun we've got a couple other things that we can go into we have one where the warframe fans ask devs to avoid crunch which is very nice. I think we can probably just say, good on you, Warframe community, uh, for not being despicable chuds, and good on Warframe for making the Space Wobblies expansion. What's that? Uh, The latest expansion in the free-to-play game Warframe, where these indentured workers, essentially, are put put in debt, like, on purpose... And in order to work off their debt, their heads are like held as ransom and they're given electronic heads. Um, and <laughs> they basically work as like, like I said, indentured servants to this, this guy who's like pretty much like a caricature of like, it's basically like Silicon Valley grifter uh, mixed with like a cult leader. He's obsessed with profit and his religion is profit. Jeff Bezos. Yeah, it's Jeff Bezos in video game form. And you basically fight with like these uh radical rebelling workers who are trying to overthrow this institution. And they have like a very cool uh they have like a very cool like chain gang song where they like we all lift together 
and it is very much like aesthetically and story theme wise uh wobblies in space oh good i gotta give that a play yeah i mean i haven't checked it out yet but that's because i've spent like 900 hours in that game and i i I literally just the thought of playing it more it just uh no no thanks the space wobblies are cool but uh i'm i'm good (laughs) (laughs) i mean that's it's it's unironically good it sounds like some of the dust that got kicked up over the red dead redemption garbage got uh got through to somebody and i don't yeah. think anybody's first pick would be warframe fans but uh i i good on them i don't know what else to say about it it's cool yeah it's good <laughs> take of approval hell yeah officially uh, the warframe community at least some of it uh is officially approved by the v <laughs> although i have heard things um apparently global chat uh, was not quite so progressive uh, when this <laughs> was happening, according to one of our, our friend Miss Injury. Uh, she said that um, apparently there was some chudliness going down in that, which is it's a real shame we don't have like examples to show because that would be funny as shit. I mean, it is still video games. Let's not let's not get our expectations all- too high. <laughs> Forget it all, it's video games. Exactly. Nice. And then, basically, to counter this good thing that has happened, we have a secondary article, which we're not going to read, but we will link in the show description, uh, because it's long as heck, uh, called Gamer Rage is Anti-Union Violence, which is a very interesting article from uh, rhizome.org. And it's by Lana Polanski, and it's called Worse Than Scabs, Gamer Rage as Anti-Union Violence. And as a counterpoint to the nice fans of Warframe being like, hey, take care of yourself, don't crunch too hard, and actually caring about like the well-being of the people creating the, the product they consume, this is basically about how shitty gaming companies have used gamers to essentially stomp out dissent as like a tool of harassment against developers who might speak out and not even necessarily speak out who just you know don't fit in very well or you know in 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 whatever form that might take whether it's just in terms of not being comfortable with people who are uh you know gay or trans or just who speak their mind um they they go it takes a deep dive into the Allison rap fiasco in uh recounts the the stuff that happened with jessica price at arena net mm. um it's it's very interesting it's a good article you should read it yeah you'd see there should be solidarity between developers and games consumers um mm. but just this wonderful capitalist alchemy has somehow got people convinced that there is a separation between the game as a product and the people who are making it just looking at like the situation of gaming as a whole in you know 2018 it should be obvious to most people who the real antagonists of gaming are and that would be like the publishers essentially because they're the ones that decide 
like whether or not a game has single player or multiplayer or if it has microtransactions or loot boxes you know not the game developer the game developer really doesn't get much of a say on things of the business aspect of their game <laughs> but they they get all the fucking blame for it though yeah yeah and the number of amazing ideas we haven't seen to fit within some ridiculous release schedule or that kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah and all for like like historically going back like decades there have been stories like uh, i don't know if you know troika studios they were the developers of one of my personal favorite games arcanum and their story is somewhat typical in that they were friggin fantastic developers but one aspect of their games that always fell short is that they were released uh, buggy and parts of it unfinished like entirely down to their budget and how much time was given to them by the publishers and really things have not changed all that much in a uh, 10 and 15 years the business model uh from the higher up standpoint um and it seems almost universally the the same except for a couple of examples is that to be a game dev is to be part of this grinder where they they take 18 to 30 year old men who have very little attachments and they just work them as hard as they can and if you're not can't fit in that environment they have no problem kind of edging you out and you know the it's it's not helped by the fact that a lot of times these these people are enthusiasts and they're happy to work this long and this hard because they get to make a video game yay hooray we're all happy um but you know there's no there's no outside perspective and as soon as they get a little older or they develop some kind of health problem or you know anything that happens in life they find themselves quickly edged out and uh you know in my experience reading uh, around and stuff they just quit games and start doing something in uh, non-gaming software because they get paid uh, significantly more with more benefits uh, in that environment. And I, it's not good to have all of all of the talent that is developed in these games that are developed constantly drained away because uh, the, the CEOs and the higher management aren't interested in keeping them around to shave uh, a couple dollars off uh, the short term. And then there's also like an issue of demographics within the game developer sphere. So it it is basically, I feel as though the fact that they're both enthusiasts and primarily um, white males creates a sort of environment which is naturally hostile to things like organized labor you know if you have like a college education in something you know something technical like programming or what have you then you're not likely to come from like a working class background where you would you would be familiar with union organization or something like that um and so for the longest time like video game companies have sort of exploited the fact that uh, uh m- many of their 
developers sort of fall on sort of right-wing libertarian edge as the people who actually own the company and basically use that fact that they're not going to organize their labor or even attempt to to just viciously exploit them even more. <laughs> Got to do a shout out to Game Workers Unite. Hell yeah. For, for their efforts. Absolutely. So do you have any particular insights, uh, David, about about all this from, you know, uh, other game devs who are your friends and just your own experience working in uh, making games? Not particularly. Like, I, I don't make, I don't pay rent through making video games or anything like that. Um, mm. Yeah, so I, yeah, I don't really have too much experience in sort of formal game development workspaces. Yeah, but you do, <laughs> you you do get called the soy boy on the internet for your post-capitalism <laughs> games. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like, you know, this is an, ish, an issue that's really a product of institutional power exploiting reaction, uh, which mm. you can only really do in the sort of industry game development spheres and is not something you can really even try in indie, in like the indie gaming sphere. Like, yeah, what, what institution would someone appeal to to get me fired like, yeah australia the whole australian <laughs> government will get you kicked out yeah. of the country get my citizenship revoked <laughs> i'm calling timothy australia gonna... <laughs> let him know letting kangaroo jack to give you kick you out of the country with his big old kangaroo legs <laughs> <laughs> i've been found out <laughs> How do giant insects that like live in your toilets factor into your your game development process? Um, yeah, I don't think there's been too many direct <laughs> direct references. We have got a massive huntsman spider living outside our front door at the moment. But yeah, we we were hoping he would sort of clear out some of the many many wasps nests swarming mm -hmm. around our house. Um, mm -hmm. hasn't happened yet, but uh, yeah. <laughs> So it's probably just the sort of general, I, I guess maybe the general existential dread of living around so many large insects seems in somehow. <laughs> uh, it's a one-two whammy of living in the existential dread of, of capitalism and alienation and um, also being afraid you might get bitten on the butt by a giant spider. Yep. <laughs> just terrifying. In a night to nowhere, it's not actually raindrops falling down. They're just massive wasps falling <laughs> out of the sky. <laughs> that would be incredible. So I think we can probably wrap up with this last bit of salt, which I, I can't tell if this is our salt. No, this is our salt. Our, we are going to produce some salt at a situation which is just foo, bad, real bad. So this is something that we mentioned a little bit earlier in that uh, PewDiePie, infamous gamer and streamer, and the I believe the most uh, subscribed account on YouTube, did a fucking crossover with Ben fucking Shapiro. That's a, that's a big oof there. It's a and, massive uh... oof. One thing I'm glad when lots of children <laughs> or, you know, now teens who followed PewDiePie because he played Minecraft and talk like this um, now are radicalized by our beloved tiny dipshit Ben Shapiro. I love that. Oh, it's so good to have like a completely non-critical, like genuinely fucking happy that Ben Shapiro was on was was sharing a platform with him. 
PewDiePie just blasting out this reactionary little grifter to the to his youthful audience. But at least we can like very clearly trace the like yeah gamer to right wing chud pipeline. It's ridiculous just how many how many like of these famous YouTube gamers just completely go full reactionary. You have Boogie. You have JonTron, which is not reactionary, just openly white nationalist. And then you've got PewDiePie and H3H3. And it seems as though like all of like these these famous basically white dudes are every single one of them just falls into this reactionary trap of basically seeing people talk about other people's problems and looking at social ills and then saying, well, uh, I don't have privilege. Uh, I had a hard time. I had a hard life growing up. How could I have privilege? How often do we hear keep politics out of our video games whenever <laughs> like a slight concern over representation or even like basic leftist statements like everybody should be fed everybody should have a home uh slavery is bad people are <laughs> like i don't want any of that damn politics in my video games i wonder how many of those people piped up when uh our just our little baby rat ben shapiro appeared <laughs> at the end of pewdiepie where they just like oh man i hate it we and I, this, is, this is my impression of every gamer. That <laughs> oh man, I hate it when they put politics in video games. Like, I, I feel it would be great to have uh, a mashup of just, yeah, PewDiePie, John Tron, with all of the, yeah, keep politics out of my games comments. It would be interesting. You know, I could, we could recommend that to Matt. He's one of our friends who does uh, videos uh, that are essentially just mocking things like this <laughs> that would that would be amazing so i'm not sure what you think about this situation you were you were interested in knowing what it was and well here it is <laughs> yep yeah i now i'm just depressed yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's that's pretty much it i'm not sure what you're supposed to do when you can watch in real time these fucking soft gamer boys Watch these people slide slowly but surely into reactionary thought and into fascism. What do you do? Well, I mean, that's that's the algorithm, is that it all goes down that same funnel. And you're right, as you were watching the mask slip off in real time, I feel like in 2017, um, you know, you'd see Jordan Peterson places, and mm. people would just be like, listen... You know, don't make it all about a conservative thing. You know, we're just talking to people. We're just asking questions. And it's gone from that to just straight up just being like, all right, questions have been answered. We're white supremacists. That rules. And then the circus music plays. I have a question for David. So how much does all of this translate uh, to Australia and Australian politics? Do you follow this kind of Ben Shapiro Jordan Peterson kind of nonsense out there or do you have the the Australian analogs that you get furious with uh I mean like yeah there are definitely kind of semi-analogs um in Australian politics but not like 
yeah, Ben, ben Shapiro, pretty pretty big here. Jordan Peterson, pretty huge. He he just got a like full page uh, column in like one of the leading newspapers talking about uh, Gulag Archipelago, of course. <laughs> I was thinking in like in terms of analogs for like Ben Shapiro and uh, Jordan Peterson. Um, you know, Ben Shapiro would just be like a little fuzzy spider with no a big fuzzy spider with like a swastika shaved on its butt. <laughs> and then of course, you know, J- Jordan Peterson would just be like a big old cane toad. Yep. <laughs> I, I see. I, I have a conflicting vision. I see Jordan Peterson because he's a tall drink of water mm-hmm. uh, uh, as like a big kangaroo, just like with his pouch just stuffed with loose ham and bacon for him to munch on <laughs> as he walks around. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> and leaving you with that image fresh in your minds. <laughs> I believe it's time to finally wrap up and say goodbye. So, David, thank you once again for coming onto the pod. It was excellent talking to you. Oh, just, yeah, thanks, thanks for having me on. That was really fun. Where can people find your excellent games? And also, where can they find you, like, on Twitter and such? Uh, so all the games are up on calestia.itch.io. Uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter as calestia uh, 3 and yeah, also on Patreon, if you want to chuck me a couple of bucks. <laughs> Definitely check out uh, Celestia's uh, Patreon uh, and throw them a dollar or two if you wish to see more socialist video games. Listen, donate to Celestia's Patreon, unsubscribe from Chapo, use the Grey Wolf feed like everybody else, Black Wolf. and give that Black, <laughs> Black Wolf, Wolf feed. feed. Black Wolf feed, thank you. Uh, and... Uh, and throw this guy uh, five bucks a month. Uh, he he needs it. Yeah. If you ever want to see Tony Hawk's pro-socialism skater, you got to do it. That's the only way it's going to happen. The only way. If you want to see the October Revolution dating sim, you got to make it happen. <laughs> it, it, we got to collectively make this game happen. <laughs> oh, man. Too many good ideas. So thank you again for coming on the pod. Reese, where can people find you and your great content on the internet? You can find me at your very good bud on Twitter. Excellent. And you can find our official Twitter at Vigatwato, and you can find our website, videogamesaretheworst.pinecast.co, where you can find all of our previous episodes and uh, links to our social media and what have you. And you can find me at 8Alton8 on Twitter and on YouTube at Alton Plays. So thank you very much for listening. And also uh, leave us some ratings on iTunes or Podcast Republic, one of those garbage content <laughs> distribution platforms. Leave us a rating. Let us know. Yes, this apparently helps us. We have no idea how, but it does. And share it with your friends. If you have a discussion disgusting chud-like gamer friend bring them to the light send them an episode of Vigatwato where we will insult them to their face (laughs) for an hour (laughs) take a long road trip with your enemy play every episode of the podcast so until next time farewell bye